Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. It's been a couple weeks here. We've had a lot of moving pieces, both with the guys that record this as well as what's going on in all three of our major programs. We're going to dig into football, basketball, and baseball tonight, as well as answer some of your questions that we've got online and from Twitter. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, as we get ready to kick off this show, we want to thank our number one sponsor for what's been going on almost a year now, Teen Life. If you haven't yet gone online, go to teenlife.ngo. You are going to learn more about an amazing organization that is is backed by a lot of TCU fans, including our buddy Jeff McCain. They do a lot to invest in the lives of junior high and high school students so that they can be equipped to make good decisions to advance their life. We all know how tough it is to be a teenager these days. It's tougher now than it was when we were there many years ago, and we want to bring alongside good people to invest in their lives so that they can make good decisions and take responsibility for their life. If you haven't yet, go to teenlife.ngo, make a donation, or find out find a way that you can volunteer in your local high school. Jeremy, Daniel, how are you guys doing tonight? It is good to be with you. It's awesome, man. It's been a while. When's the last time we did one of these? I think it's been three weeks. Yeah, three weeks or so. Yeah. That's where you the play the drop are- from Titanic where the lady says it's been 84 years. <laughs> it's been 84 years. <laughs> I can still smell uh, the fresh paint. My birthday is this month. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be 23. 23. That's right. Nice. Yep, that's 23. right. Again. Well, yeah, 23 again. Well, it's it, it it has been a few weeks here, but we're back on. We're going to be here tonight. We're going to be here next week. We're going to be here especially all the way through football. And we got a, we got a, my second favorite sport, to be totally honest, TCU baseball going now at full strength. So we're going to have plenty to talk about. Uh, well, I'm not going to lie. This whole podcast got started on because we love TCU football. So TCU football is back. I know it's uh, only been a month and a half since, or two months since the greatest bowl game ever played, the Cheez-It Bowl. And the Frogs are back with spring practice. They had their night of champions about a week ago where they were able to max out, especially with uh, see some of those strong guys watching Shea will push up that weight. Wes Harris, I know you're listening, Hank, put up all of that weight. Uh, but they're back on the field. Jeremy, you were out there for the last couple of days. We had um, availability with Coach Patterson today. I know that our listeners have a lot of questions about that, so I'm just going to tee you up one by one. Give me your bullet answer on what you saw on the on the field and uh, what you were able to hear from Coach Patterson, and then anything you want to wrap up with at the end, we'll give you an open forum to do that. But right. I want to know it. Our listeners want to know it. Tell us what you saw at quarterback. It It's a much better quarterback room than I think we've seen in the last few years. I mean, from top to bottom, you know, Alex, Justin, and, and Max were all really good quarterbacks. The thing I liked about them today – Today was the first open day for practice, and what I heard on Friday was exactly what I saw today. It's each one of those quarterbacks has something about them that it makes them makes their game great. Uh, Alex, for starters, I really want people to just open their minds. I know everyone saw him against Kansas State, and I understand those those thoughts that you have um, with his ability and, and what you think you saw at Kansas state, but I'm just here to tell you, if you didn't know who that kid was and you were just walking up to a practice and you didn't know he was at Kansas state and you just saw him throw, you would be like, who the hell is this kid? I'm telling you right now, he's got a better arm than people give him credit for. He's athletic. They're playing basketball right now, by the way, there's no pads. There's no live hits. We'll see what the quarter, how the quarterbacks react when they, when, when, the offensive line is truly blocking and they're not going to let them get hit, but they're, we're going to see a little bit more different, you know, different action when, when it becomes more live, but 
he had some really nice throws. He in the pass skelly, which is basically a seven on seven. He did the best. He had a couple long completions. He puts the ball right in the right spot. He his passes that I like where it really displays his arm strength are the quick passes to the outside, which all the TC fans hate anyway. But he throws a really good curl route and and they've really implemented more of the tight ends from what I saw today. They were sending tight ends on curls and not to give too much away, just getting them out involved in, in, in the route scheme and he he just really puts it on them. There's a couple times where those receivers just simply dropped it because those passes were coming in so hot. Justin Rogers, he is so much bigger than all the other guys. It's hilarious. I don't think Alex is quite six foot. He might be five eleven. Uh, Max is about six one, six two. But Justin makes those two guys look really short next to him. He's just a big kid, and he had some really good passes too. He. All three of these guys, I, I, I can't be uh, just adamant enough with how quick they get the ball out of their hands. Each one of them have a really good release. But Justin Justin had some some really good passes, too. He didn't complete as many deep passes as Alex did, but he did have a couple that, that or, you know, at least one that I recall. Uh, I'm not going to say the receiver or the defensive back. I don't want to get in too much trouble, but it was a nice pass on a, on a nice route. But they they each you know each made him and Alex each made good decisions in the past Skelly and, and Max Max might have the biggest ceiling of them all I mean he again just gets the ball out quick throws a very very tight spiral there there's not very many passes he throws that it just doesn't look like a, a nice pass uh, and he's accurate he's accurate as all get out he throws a really good curl route has a lot of a lot of heat on it a lot of velocity his deep ball is really good and. It was funny because, you know, watching practice, you see a lot of people, you turn your head to the side and you sometimes catch the last half second of a play. You see the receiver downfield, you see him haul in the catch, and you're like, man, who threw that ball? And on more than one occasion, it was Alex Delton throwing that football today. And I'm not saying he's the starter. He did work with the first team uh, in full team reps. That doesn't mean he's the starter. Uh, but I'm just telling you right now, the the way I see it, that the quarterback room is going to be a lot better this year. And I even heard a couple of rumblings on the sideline from from some you know people on the staff that said, "Man, quarterbacks just look so much different than what we had toward the end of last year." Now I don't want to uh, cause any problems here, but it sounds better on the field. And I'm going to go ahead and assume with, with two good guys like Justin with Max, and then you got a guy that comes from that strong culture at Kansas State. This is going to be better in the quarterback room and in the locker room than what we had last year. Is that a is that a fair oh, yeah, statement? Yeah, that I we mean don't that's need that's offer a lot of commentary that's very, on, that's, but that's, that's very that's a fair. Fact. That's 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 a fact. Yeah. I mean that's that's already been stated several times. I mean you got you got a quarterback. Alex Dalton, that's known – you talk to any of those guys up at Kansas State, you look at Dalton Reiser, what what he said about Alex and just his leadership and, and just being a team player. Then you have Justin Rogers. I mean, who in the hell has worked harder than that kid the last oh year? Oh, my gosh. I Nobody. mean, just where, he, where he's come from, I mean, and, and where he was uh, as a senior in high school when he got hurt, had that gruesome injury, and, and just the way that he's worked back. I mean, golly, you – it just take those two. Then you take Max, who's stinking power cleaning 380 pounds and loves the weight room. Each one of those guys loves the film room. 
They love learning. They love learning anything they could do to get better. And that's a huge step from everything that we had learned from the previous quarterback. So I'm not saying these three, I'm not guaranteeing they're going to go out and play better, but at, at least it's a start. And I'm excited to see what they could do. And, and the main thing, but the funny thing is Mike, Mike Collins isn't even out there yet. So there's no telling what it's going to look like when he gets out there. But I, I could tell you once Mike gets back and just seeing those three guys today and just hearing reports back the last couple of days and, and, and the excitement uh, revolving around that position. I mean, fans, fans may have something to be excited about. I mean, it's, it's not going to guarantee them a 10, 11 win season and, and all can go to hell for all we know. But at least right now, as we talk on March 3rd, that the quarterback seems to be a position that might not be too bad after all going into the fall. That is good to hear because, you know, I have I have high expectations for Alex Dalton. I'm really glad to hear you kind of push back on a few on a handful of whiny fans that think that somehow because he was at K-State and transferred out that he's uh, that it's bad if he's the starter, if it's bad, if he's a contributor. I think it's good because I think we all have a clear understanding of, of what just a healthy Justin Rogers can look like. And if he's at you know, 85 to 95 percent, as, as Coach Patterson said today, that is a that is a good quarterback. And we know he's going to continue to work yeah. there. There will be nothing that keeps him from being healthy that he doesn't have unless he doesn't have control over it. Well, so we know that that's true. And, and just just to go on to that point, Jeff, and, and I'm not I'm not dogging the people that are are kind of saying what they are about Alex. I, I get where they're coming from. I I know I know what they saw at Kansas State, but I've always been the guy and advocating that I think Kansas State held his abilities back a little bit. And what I mean by that is when they really spread the ball out, when they spread the receivers out and and gave him space to operate, he succeeded. If you go back and watch that game against UCLA in, in the Cactus Bowl, I think it was, he played really well. And there's there's plays, there's there's flashes where he shows his arm strength and his accuracy in some games where you you know he can make those throws, but just watching him today, he looked so comfortable. He looked poised. He didn't look rattled, and, and that's what you're going to get out of a 22, 23-year-old kid. That's what you should be seeing. And, man, I don't I don't care. If he, if he wins the job, he's winning it for a reason. And what I saw today from Justin and Max, if he wins the job, that's going to be good for TCU. I, I would feel comfortable, even if it's just March 3rd, I would feel comfortable saying, I think, I think any of those three guys could could do a capable job of leading that offense. Maybe uh, Max has more more growing up to do. Not that he's immature, but just getting to that level of he 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 hasn't played college football before like Alex, so he doesn't have that experience. And Justin's been on campus for over a year now. He's been in the system. He knows the offense, so he's playing catch up with those two guys from that standpoint, but as far as the athletic standpoint, he's, he's right there with them and arm strength, arm accuracy. He's right there with them, but it, it's a good start. And, and I'm not trying to overhype the position. I'm not trying to get TC fans riled up and, and overly excited. I'm just saying from, from my pers- sunshine. From, yeah, no kidding. From my perspective, <laughs> just, just in my uh, knucklehead perspective, I, I liked what I saw today. And, and I think if you ask someone like, you know, other guys that were out there covering the team, Drew Davison, Billy Wessels, and, and, and those guys that we're all out there watching the whole practice, they'll tell you the same thing, that 
those quarterbacks, all of them looked looked pretty good. Well, let's go ahead and flip over to the other side of the ball. I want to give you a couple of names. You tell me what you saw. You you had the, a great write-up on our website. If you're not a member yet, go to hornfrogblitz.com, and you're going to read thorough description of what Jeremy's flesh, uh, going to flesh out right here. Tell me what you saw from Adam Plant, new guy on campus. Uh, what, what's your first thoughts on him, defensive end at a, uh, at a, at a West? Dude is a huge man. He is a huge – he's like a he's like a tree out there, just so tall and just overshadowing everyone. I mean, he is he is not tip, not your typical TCU defensive end. He's he's every bit of legit 6'6", six, six, almost 6'7". Six, Big kid. I, I like the way he moves, and I like that a lot. A lot about those defensive ends. I, they they seem to each have a high motor, and for him, he's going to be more of a a run stop guy, kind of like LJ was. He's going to be the bigger guy, uh, but I, I liked I liked what I saw from him. He's 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 athletic, uh, but he's he's such a big kid, and I think he's got a chance to add at least another 20, 25 pounds and, and, and really be a guy that we're all talking about three, four years from now. But uh, Parker Workman's another one that just – I love his motor. I, I don't know if he's ever going to be a, a consistent starter, but he's going to be a guy that could be heavily involved in that rotation that if, if they – when they're successful, they usually have a 10 to 11-man rotation on the defensive line. And I think he could very easily be part of that. He's a guy that he he may not. He's I mentioned on the board. He's not going to be a guy that's going to have eight nine sacks of the year, but he could be a guy that finishes with two and a half, three and a half sacks, and and just does enough to where he he doesn't necessarily get the credit in the stat column, but he does enough on the field to get other people's stats. And I think that's what they need right now, at defensive end, and just another older guy, older guy in the room too, just to give that experience, but. Uh, I like what I saw with those two guys today. What did you see from Jeff Gladney? Because you had high praise for him on our board. Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah, he. I, I truly do think that Jeff's going to have a chance to be a first-round pick just because he's got the size. He's extremely strong. He's going to be a 4-3 guy. He's playing in the, the most pass-heavy conference in America in the Big 12. He should have been first team all Big 12 last year. It was a travesty that he didn't get picked. It was just the most ignorant thing I, I could ever think of that he didn't get picked first team Big 12 with the way he shut down arguably each week the top receivers in the Big 12. But today, man, he just it's it's like he's just playing with children. It really does because I'm not I don't want to throw out the names. I will say Jalen Rager didn't go against him, so it's not don't don't freak out and think, oh crap, Jalen Rager's not having a good year. Jalen didn't Jalen just was limited. He could just do individual stuff and pass he just did some team stuff. He didn't do any kind of uh one on ones or pass scale anything like that. But Jeff Jeff just does a great job of creating leverage. I mean, he just I don't know how else to explain it. When he's one-on-one, he could press you or he can play off of you, and he just plays great leverage. He doesn't let anyone get over the top. He he had like three or four pass breakups during one-on-ones today. And it whether it's a whether it's a six-five receiver or a five-foot-ten receiver, he's he's locking them down. And he's just so fast. He's he's playing he's playing really, really good football right now. And I, I think Part of that has to do with the confidence he gained last year playing so successful as a junior, and I, I think that's carried over. And 
man, I, I'm just telling you, if, if he plays anywhere close to how he did as a junior, I, I think we'll see the next first-round pick for TCU because he's just got so many tools available to be really, really good. All right, last player I want to get a, a quick hit on, John Stevens. I was so high on him out of high school from uh, Louisiana. You know, had a freshman season, didn't get a whole lot of action, but he, his his measurables, for lack of a better term, are are beyond explosive. Did you see anything from John Stevens Jr. that kind of raised your eyebrow? Yeah, I mean, he he had some plays. He kind of had an up-and-down day. Uh, he obviously has some good size. He, he okay. I'll, I'll admit he had a problem against Gladney. He wasn't getting, but he, he you're not getting past Gladney. Uh, no, no one was. But he did he did better in pass Skelly. He he did have some good catches. He's he's running his routes better. I think that's where Malcolm Kelly's going to come in and and help those outside receivers. Just really the way he can relate to those guys. They they look at him. No, Malcolm's Malcolm looks like he could still play. By the way, he's just he's just still looks like he's in pretty good shape, but. They, they know what kind of career he had at Oklahoma, and they know he was drafted, and so they, they take what he's telling them, and they take it to heart, and they try to learn off of it. But it looks like he's been obviously working out in the gym. He, he looks pretty solid. Looks like a solid 210 to me, 205, 210. But he's, he still needs to work on catching the ball a little bit better, more consistently. But I like what I like what they have in him. I like I like Meeky too. I mean, he's another big outside receiver. Uh, Tavalence Hunt didn't go uh, full speed today. He was kind of like Jalen Rager, wearing the green jersey. Uh, did some individual drills, uh, but didn't do any kind of pass scaler one on ones. But uh, John Stevens, I think, has a chance to to be good. He's he's still got a little ways to go though to be to be more consistent. You mentioned Malcolm Kelly. That was going to be my last question on the practice report. So the Frogs have a new wide receiver coach. We had, we reshuffled a little bit on the staff. Tell us a little bit about, about how all that went down, what maybe brought it about, and then what are some of the changes that have taken place on the coaching staff to make room for Malcolm Kelly? As you said, former Oklahoma standout. Right. He's had a pretty, pretty crazy year to begin with because he was at Houston. Then he got hired by SFA. Because he was the the guy that they hired at SFA, he coached with at A and M Commerce, so he went to SFA. Then he was only there for about a week, and he got hired on by Arkansas State to coach their receivers. And he was really only there for about a month before TCU came into the picture. And I was told all this kind of went down uh, in a matter of you know, sixteen hours, fifteen sixteen hours, and it it happened extremely fast. Uh, he came in on a Monday, and basically that's – I don't even remember when I reported it. Uh, if you guys can, just refresh my memory. But I know that I reported it not too long not too long after it, after it went down. And, and I, I think, uh, you know, so, some of it has to do with uh, Rusty Burns. And, and, and I love Rusty. He's a, a great coach, even better person. But he's he's in his sixties now, and, and if you guys remember reading the board, kind of late in December and even January, he he didn't go out and recruit. It was Damani Cross, and I, I know some of you guys saw pictures of Damani out there on Twitter with, when he was visiting recruits with with Jared Anderson, or he just looking looking at other guys, and and that you know, Rusty was battling some, I think, a knee issue, and really it's just kind of the the grind, and I mean it was it was I think probably as much as his decision as it was coach P's to try to get into another role. And, and they had that off open offensive analyst role that Jake Brown had vacated 
when he took the job up at West Texas A&M. So it, it was a perfect spot for, for Rusty. And Malcolm, I think it, it, he's he's going to come along uh, more slowly as a coach than I than I think as a, as a recruiter. Uh, I think he was hired as much uh, to, to get in front of kids that he can relate to and they can relate to him. Um, I'm not knocking Rusty Burns on that because Rusty's actually a really good recruiter. I mean, he's the guy that bought, uh, brought in – uh, Cavante Turpin. And I mean, everyone can look at that and say, man, he brought in one of the top players and any, anybody you could think of in Northern, uh, Louisiana, Justin Rogers, he had a hand in that. I mean, any of those he was guys, really active James McFarland, Hunter, if day. I remember right. Chucky yeah. Hunter, we, th- those Westman back, Rowe guys, that's all Rusty yeah. Burns. Yeah, that's that's Rusty Burns right there. And so he did a great job in Northern Louisiana and, and with, he, that that's going to hurt them a little bit with him not being out there. But I think Malcolm's going to be a, a guy that can recruit pretty well. If we look at just recent history, Zarnell Fitch didn't really have a whole lot of experience recruiting and he's done well. Jeremy Modkins has done well recruiting and that those are the kind of coaches that obviously played the game. Everyone remembers Malcolm Kelly. They know he went to OU, know he's all American was drafted by the Redskins and, He's a he's a big guy. He's a six four guy. I mean, everyone he looks athletic, and for whatever reason, sometimes, uh, excuse me, sometimes players relate to that better than they do, you know, other other guys at that at that position. Old guys so like us, is what I you're think it'll work. Say. Yeah, older <laughs> guys, older guys, but yeah. So I, I I think I think it'll be better. Uh, I I don't know if he'll be a, a good recruiter like obviously like rusty was right off the bat but i think in the long run it'll help tcu land some some elite receivers down the line well that's a lot of content on spring practice from just uh you know one open practice so i if you guys are listening to this i sure hope you appreciate everything that jeremy's been able to share with us that's a lot on the coaching staff on the quarterback battle on the transfer story that jeremy broke by the way on alex delton coming here so there's a lot of stuff to kind of digest there i hope you guys uh, enjoy all that i want to pivot just slightly because you know we, we got football spring football going now but we've also got the combine going on uh did you guys see LJ Collier's? I mean, just the write up on on the impact that he's having. Did you see Ben Banigou's broad jump and uh, Ty Summers? I think had the number four, number five forty time for a linebacker. So those are three guys that yeah. TCU has up there in the combine, all on the defensive side of the ball that are all all kind of turning heads. And I I've read multiple people that 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 follow this stuff professionally, that cover this stuff professionally. Talk about LJ Collier sneaking into the first round. You know, the Raiders were looking at him. That would be that amazing. That would be amazing. Didn't he play running back at Monday? I mean, like, didn't they just put him in the backfield and give him the ball? Uh, no, he was, he was, he was, <laughs> you would think uh, being a small town like that, but he was actually a tied in and he was a tied in. Okay. Okay. For them. <clears throat> yeah. They had, they had a kid a year. They might have played him maybe as a senior. I didn't see much of him as a senior because I focused more on him when he was a junior because they had a they had a really talented uh, quarterback at Monday too named D. Paul that actually signed with Texas Tech uh, before transferring out of there. But uh, that's when everyone kind of started to find out about LJ's because of D. Paul. Everyone wanted to see this this kid that was so great at quarterback was just a fast fast kid, and everyone 
goes to see Monday and they see this gigantic defensive end. And it's just crazy knowing that if you've ever been to Monday, Texas, there's not much there. I, I literally think you hear the old cliche. There's only one stoplight in town. I think, I think that's, that's a true. one Dairy Queen town. Um, there's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing there. And just, just to think that that town <laughs> might've produced a first round pick in the NFL draft is it, just crazy, but it, it it's, it's not surprising to me, I, and I know I'm not I'm not trying to brag about it or anything, but it's it's crazy because it's just now coming to light. But I know I posted this on the board during the football season, how because I was getting told this myself is that when NFL scouts would come to see Ben or any other players they had, they would always come to see those guys. And they'd leave talking about LJ, and it became the point where I was getting told, man, LJ might end up getting drafted higher than Ben, which is a crazy thought considering, you know, guys like Mel Kuyper had Ben Banigou in his first round pick last year. Uh, and so for LJ to kind of be getting this notoriety now, it's not too surprising for me, but I love it for him, man, because I, I, I think now people are finally seeing the development that TCU can have. It's, it, you know, we all know that, yeah, they develop a lot of great players. Jerry Hughes comes to mind, but, you're, you're talking about a kid that, that really didn't have a ton of offers out of high school, and uh, he he didn't start out his career at TCU very strong. He, he I don't think very many people could have named him as a as a player really his freshman year, uh, and he, maybe even to his sophomore year. It really just came on strong the last couple of years, and uh, just, just for him to be getting this notoriety, man, I'm just so happy for him because he, he is a good guy, and He's worked so hard to get to where he is, but man, it it would be so awesome. And the the guys that are talking about, you know, I, I see the 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 draft and the mock draft, and it's the Raiders, I think that that look to pick him. And and Mike Mayock is, I didn't even realize he was the general manager and of the Raiders until. If, uh, I guess about a month ago, and I was like, I thought that guy used to work on NFL Network, and of course he did. It's Mike Mayock, and so he's the kind. Of, LJ's the kind of guy that I think Mike would really take a flyer on because he loves that athleticism, and he's a guy that's always been kind of an advocate for TCU football and in the way they develop players. So he knows if he would draft LJ, that he's getting a player that's been well coached. You know, it'd be great to see all three of those guys get drafted. See Ben get drafted, LJ get drafted, Ty Summers get drafted. Three guys on the defensive side of the ball get put into the draft. So that's what I'm hoping for. That is what I'm hoping for. I mean, there's a great chance. I mean, all all three of them guys, LJ dating back to the senior bowls has has made some money. And, and I think Ben and, and Ty did today. Neither, none of those three should run at TC's Pro Day, which is March 29th. <clears throat> But I think Ty will at least Ty will do the stuff that he didn't get to do at the combine because he he tweaked something. He's he's okay. Uh, I I think he just didn't want to chance it any more than 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 what had happened after he ran that second forty. Mm-hmm. But um, but each one of those guys I I think has, has made themselves some money because man they just they just test through the roof and not only are they good testers but they're you, you have these guys that test the roof, but they're okay football players. Those all three of those guys are really good football players as oh, well. Oh, they are. And I think that's I think that's why each each three of them have have a chance to get drafted. 
Well, let's pivot over to some uh, TCU baseball. You know, we got a lot of stuff going on here with TCU football. We're going to keep you updated on that. But the Frogs have also, uh, you know, really opened up the season here in TCU with TCU baseball. Uh, middle of the week, Daniel, the, the Frogs are playing out there against Sam Houston State. Uh, the game gets suspended, which I am just fine with because am I the only one that thought they looked like hot garbage in that game? Because that, I mean, aside from all the vaping that took place that, that caused all the fog to come in, they just looked awful. Yes, uh, absolute trash. Um, but it happens, you know, a lot early in the season, uh, especially because you know I care so much. So they let me down. Um, <laughs> kind of built year. into the contract. Yeah, it is. It, it's part of uh, the scholarship agreement. Uh, anyway, um, I don't remember how many, I don't remember the stats exactly, how many walks there was. But there was a ton. It was just errors and just, just a mess. And then on top of all that, the fog is so dense that players can't see where the ball is and the umpires feel content to just let it continue go, going on. And um, <laughs> that there should be some kind of, uh, maybe not legal action, but at least some wrist slapping going on because that is just that is insane. Because you could get someone could get killed. What's the uh, worst that could happen if you got hit by in the head by a baseball traveling at 150 miles an hour? What's the worst that could happen? I bump, bruise, rub some dirt bruise. on it. You'll be all right. Yeah. Take a shot of bourbon. Yep. You'll be fine. Yep. So uh, anyway, it was trash, but luckily that game doesn't count. So. It's like it didn't even happen. It's like it's it didn't amazing. even happen. Yeah, so the frogs cool. are down there in Houston uh, in the in the Shriners Classic. Uh, that was a heart attack game against Houston because you know they're winning ten to six. That ball leaves the bat with the bases loaded with Houston up. I thought it was a grand slam when it left the bat. What did you think watching all that go down in Houston? Oh, definitely. And I mean, it would have tied it, so it wasn't over, but. Um, Still, you're gonna blow that, and 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 but and I thought it was right off the bat too, from what I saw, and then I think it was Riser that made the catch, uh, defense. To, yeah, quite a catch. Yeah. So Hugh escaped that one, and then um, lost to Aggie. <clears throat> Next, yeah, moving right along. You know, I want to I want to go ahead and own that loss to the Aggies. Frogs lose one to nothing. Uh, you know. Only weird stuff happens when TCU plays A&M. But I had a tweet that came up in my timeline of, you know, where they yell ball five, ball five, ball six, ball six. And they had, this is the greatest tradition in college baseball. This is the greatest Aggie tradition in college baseball. And I retweeted it and said, actually, your greatest tradition is getting knocked out of the playoffs by TCU. And it was, you know, I don't obsess over this stuff, but I know it when I see it. This was the most uh, tweeted, retweeted, liked post I'd ever made. It got like 5,000 likes, 350 retweets. It was seen by 300,000 people, which for my little... <laughs> Yours po- did? Yes. It, was, it, Sweet. it took <laughs> off. I mean, like, it was redonkulous. And so for days on end, I was getting notifications about it. I finally turned them off. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was something I did on my petty little account. But that's why we lost, because I was mocking A&M. So I, uh, I made Way that. There's, I'll own it. I'll own it. Chances are we'll see him again in the regular in the postseason, hopefully at the Super Regional in Fort Worth. But yeah, Frogs lost to A and M. That wasn't cool, and they're losing right now. We're, we're, we're it's nine eleven, nine twelve on a Sunday night, and the Frogs are losing three to one in the fourth to Rice. So 
hopefully they're able to bounce back off of that. Uh, I don't have anything I, to say. I'm just lamenting. I know. I can't own that one. I didn't create any bad mojo against Rice. I, it's, you can't You can't pin that on me. <laughs> no, nah, we're just playing like crap, and Rice is good. So, But we smoked Vanderbilt. I mean, like, why can't we take some of those? Ah, that's Vanderbilt a good point. Games? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I also have to remember baseball is the sport where, you know, anybody actually can beat anybody. Yes. You know, th- those are the things that happen. So, you know, you get a one game series against Vanderbilt in a, in a you know, in a tournament, you know, in a showcase and, and we, we beat them. We beat them down. But wish we could have had just two of those runs against A&M because, you know, we get this great performance and we don't get one run. That's mm-hmm. frustrating. So, but nothing compares the frustration of getting blown out at home by Texas Tech. The Frogs have three, or no, have seven healthy players for TCU basketball. The Frogs have seven healthy players on this team. Jeremy, you were there covering the game. How how frustrating was it uh, watching Coach Dixon, watching the players, uh, being surrounded by all that red? It was, uh, this is kind of a limp to the finish line, a limp to Kansas City. Am I am I wrong in that in terms of my assessment of where the basketball program's at right now? Yeah, I mean, no, you're not wrong. You're right. I mean, it's... That's the best way to describe it, man. They're they're limping in to the final two games and, and into the Big Twelve tournament. And I predicted six and twelve. I can't I can't find that stinking post. I know Texas Reptile started it, but I but I did not predict them beating Iowa State twice and I, I thought they would beat Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Um I, I figured they would lose to Tech and, and I've got them pegged to lose to Kansas State and Texas. <clears throat> Saturday was well. I, I won't. I won't go back to Saturday yet. the The game against West Virginia, that was just oh. that. That, that might have been the nail in the coffin for them. I mean, you you cannot lose to West Virginia. You cannot lose to Oklahoma State, and you can't lose to Oklahoma. The three bottom teams in the Big Twelve. You just can't do that and expect to to slide into the tournament. Um, they really, they really needed that win against West Virginia. It, it, they needed not only to help them get closer to 20 wins, um, they needed it to, to get a seventh win in conference. And for them to lose, yeah, they beat Kansas. whoop de doo I mean, they were still 2-12. and 12 And they – man, if you just look at their roster, I, I, I just couldn't believe it. And yet again, you have another guy that no one even knows about that averages 3.1 points a game go off for over 20 points because they can't play perimeter defense. And they refuse to play perimeter defense. And now I know it, it does get tiresome sometimes when when you only have seven guys and you're trying to play perimeter defense. It it it, it is going to reflect. It is going to reflect some some lost energy. But that that loss to me was just man, it was just not a good loss. I it, it I, there's no other way around it. You you cannot you cannot make excuses in Texas Tech. Shame 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 on UTCU fans. That give that that sell your tickets on StubHub, that buy those seats, and you know what? For for some of you guys, some of you guys are awesome. I I uh, guy on our site. Here's a few guys on our site. They they will just give their tickets away. I'm not telling anyone to give their tickets away. These guys just do it out of the kindness of their own heart. And all they ever wish for is just put purple in the seats. That's all we. That's all we want. Just put purple in the seats. But then you got people that just 
all they do is they buy the they buy the seats and then they don't use them and then they they sell them on StubHub and that that was the most embarrassed I've ever felt for a TCU team since I've covered this program. It was oh, oh yeah, hot it, sports. Oh, opinion. it was it was it was horrible. It it was it was so bad. If you closed your eyes, you would thought that you were in Lubbock. Seriously. They started chanting. Oh, right? they, they, I'm not dogging Texas Tech fans. More props to them. If hell, if they, if they, if TCU could go down to Baylor and sell out, you know Lloyd Farrell, more power to them. That's that's not that's not Texas Tech's fault. TCU fans gave away those tickets or sold them on StubHub or did whatever. That's TCU's fault. No. And Jeremiah Donati, man, he was, you know. Grant, I give him props because he was at least answering some of the concerns. But man, I, I'm telling you, that was bad, Jeff. Well, let me. That, that was that all was right, bad. I'm gonna... And Pete, they were, yeah. And someone posted, "Well, they have more reason to cheer." They were chanting Raider Power when it was four to two. I mean, it it yeah. it was bad. And I'm telling you right now, if anyone disagrees with me, that that's fine. You you have your opinion, but I I can't. If you were at that, you're if wrong. you were at that game, and you can look me in the face and say you did not think that was more Texas Tech, uh, it, it seemed like more of a Texas Tech home game. Then, then you're lying to yourself. I'm sorry, and I, I just I felt bad for the for the players, and just to see comments like, "Well, they should have won." That's what you get. That's stupid. You're not a fan. Get out of here. You're not a fan if you're going to talk like that. I'm gonna. Be, I'm supposed to be objective to you guys, but that just pisses me off because that that was embarrassing, man. I mean, so embarrassing. You should be ashamed. UTCU fans that gave away your seats on StubHub, tweet at me because I'm ashamed of you. You should be embarrassed. Oh, well. Let me let me go ahead and pile on there with you. Uh, that's what you have when Coach Dixon comes out and says. Guys, everybody that's there, I need you standing this whole game. I need you up. I need you on your feet. I need you yelling. And people start tweeting at our AD. Now, I, I, I want, I'm going to go ahead and violate one of my own rules. I always say that fact is not plural of anecdote. And I got some anecdotal ed- evidence here. But we had I watched people on Twitter, which is clearly, again, not a microcosm of society, uh, complaining to our AD that they have to stand the whole game. <laughs> the week before, I had people that were complaining to the AD that they were standing and somebody asked them to sit down. Whatever is going on, they're going to complain about it. Yeah. I you know, we have we have decent home football crowds. We can we have the capacity to create a home field advantage. When playoff baseball's going, there's nothing like Lupton. We all know that. We we are the saddest sack fans ever when it comes to college basketball because we want to sit, we want to pretend like we're on Colonial at the on the eighth green at the Colonial, and we want to do a nice little polite golf clap every time that we do something right. When basketball has the ability to be much louder than football because you got a roof and you got everybody right there on top of things, and you can yell at the ref and they can actually hear you, and you're eight feet away from the the opponent's bench and you got a band right in their face, and our fans are whiny and they give their tickets to to Texas Tech fans or they sell them on StubHub and uh yeah that frustrates me that frustrates me. it was it was really tough what's, to watch you, you, you want to hear something funnier what's that the whole 
you, you know, the whole uh, stand up Saturday, don't sit down Saturday, whatever yeah, the promotion yeah. was. You know who you know who didn't sit down? Who's that? Most of the Texas Tech fans. Oh, I bet they stood up the whole time. It was like they were mocking the TCU fans <laughs> because they weren't going to stand up, so we're going to stand up, mm-hmm. and they did that the whole game. They're, the people, the section right behind us on, on the media, they stood the whole dang game. I promise you, there's not one time I turned around where I didn't see them standing or sitting down. Well, that's craziness. Our, that's our little. But yeah, here. I mean that. Yeah. To, to, yeah, that's my rant. My so, rant. Sorry, too. be pissed off at me. I'm sorry. I'm. 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 I'm going to speak my mind on it because I, I. I felt bad for the kid for the kids, man. I just. It, but it's you're you're inside. I'm sorry. You're inside TCU, and and it's like you're in Lubbock. I mean, it it. it I knew it was going to be like that because it, they, it's TCU wasn't the only place that's happened at when they played Baylor on the road. Uh, last month, it was like that in Waco. Texas Tech just drowned out Baylor fans. It mm-hmm. and 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 trust me, they've they've got every every reason to cheer for that team. They're they're Elite Eight from last year, uh, verge on uh, of a top ten team again this year. Chris Beard's a, an awesome coach. He's 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 turned that program into a basketball school. They're a basketball school right now, and and they've gravitated toward that. They've they've really they really just want to be a part of what's what's going on in, in in that program, and and I think if someone made a great post, and and I can and I can believe in this, if it was TCU, and and they were ranked on the cusp of top ten and and fighting for a conference title, TCU probably would have sold that thing out with a lot more purple, and there probably wouldn't have been as much red if if the the rows were reversed. But I just you know to me just. I don't. I don't do the what if game. I do the what is, and and it's well. It's what one of those is is the frogs just, are fighting to get into the tournament, and you know, win like that yeah. would go a long way to to securing that bid. And you know, I don't want to relitigate or litigate where they are on the inside, inside, you know, outside sitting on the bubble. But when you don't, when you when you don't show up for that game, and you and you say, oh, it doesn't matter. We don't have as much on the line. That is the definition of a fair weather fan, and uh, I. Yeah. I, I can't stand that. I can't stand that. All right. On that, Speaking of the game, though, go for I it. mean, it's <laughs> Texas Tech is just, I mean, like I said, Chris Beard's a, a great coach. They got great players. Culver's a good player. Mooney's a good player. I, I saw something like he just, he, I, I love that kind of player. TC needs that kind of player. Go out and recruit the generic white guy that can shoot threes, man. That's that's what you know. Every team that they've lost to this year, with the exception of the Kansas, has had a a great athletic outside shooter like him. But uh, they they just are a, a a good team. Owens is a good player. Owens, I mean, Jamie said it last night. They got Tariq Owens. They got Matt Mooney. That was those two were probably the most sought after graduate transfers in the country last year. And they got both of them and that's made their team better. The, the, the Italian point guard, he's good. Moretti, however you say his name, he's, he's good. And, and they've got some younger players and they've got, they've got a good stable of older players, but that, that, that is a team that, I mean, they, they dominated TCU up in Lubbock. They, they beat the crap out of Kansas and Lubbock and and they played well the other night. And, and what was the thing that was surprising to me that I didn't I didn't focus on until later in the game is how many players 
Jeff or Daniel, do you think Texas Tech played last night or Saturday night? Uh, I have no idea. Me either. Seven, eight. They played eight guys. So and and their starters played just as many minutes as TCU's. So that I mean that kind of tells you right there they had one more player off the bench than what TCU had, and so and I made that comment and and it's like oh but but you got to consider this the minutes I was like man but the minutes are just so comparable and then of course Jamie Dixon says it after the game like you know they played only eight guys so we can't use that seven man excuse anymore and 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 that was it's a good point Texas Tech just just straight up beat them and and. They're a better basketball team. They're a ba- better basketball program in general right now. And I hope they win. Uh, no, I don't hope they win. I hope I still hope another team. I, I'd rather see Kansas State win the Big 12 than Texas Tech. But uh, you, you've, you've got you've to admire what, what Chris Beard has, has been able to accomplish up there. And he's been at Texas Tech the same amount of time as, as Jamie Dixon at TCU. So um, both of those programs have improved and, and – we we could go back and and point fingers. What happened to the season? What's going on in the locker room? I don't think anything was going on in the locker room. You had Angus McWilliam that had a season-ending injury, and you know some of these guys think that it it's better off that I don't want to listen to the trainers. I'll go somewhere else. They're still not going to play. Uh, you know, you ought a lock. He he had he fractured his hand. He wasn't going to play anymore. Really, only player right now that should be kicking themselves in the butt. Is Caden Archie? Oh yeah, Caden Archie. If he would have stuck around for what two more weeks, he probably would have been averaging twenty minutes a game right now, maybe more. I mean, that's but that's what you get in today's society. You have a top one hundred player that that can't wait. Uh, he comes in as a as as a player that has been at the top of his game everywhere he goes. He's the leader. He scores the most points, and he he gets a a tough slap of reality in his face. Hey, you're playing with other talented guys that are not only as talented as you, but they're better than you. You've got to grow up and you've got to get better than them. And, and, and with sometimes in today's athletes, you don't have that, that waiting and you need any proof. Just go to the transfer portal and you'll see all the proof you need. That's right. And, you know, with Jalen Fisher, it's same thing. He, he got, he got hurt and he's trying to say that it's, it's not because he is hurt. He's, he's leaving, but he was hurt. He wasn't going to be able to play again at TCU this year. It's plain and simple truth, but I don't know what they're going to do against Kansas state. Uh, you know, you, you would hope that if they get that win, that it helps them because Kansas state would be a great win and hopefully it gives them enough confidence going down to Austin to beat Texas. But I still think they need to get to eight wins, whether it's beating, uh, you know, winning one of these last two games and winning at least one game in the big 12 tournament. But if not, they're, they're not going, I mean, I, I don't, I don't care. I don't care what the bracketology says, and, and what the NET says and, and whether this is a year where you have teams with losing records and conference play and no matter how good the Big 12 is, I just don't foresee a team that finishes if they don't win these last two and they don't win a game in, in conference uh, in the Big 12 tournament, they're going to be 6-13. and 13. You're not making it to the dance with a 6-13 and 13 record. I'm sorry. It's, it's just not happening. I don't care what your non-conference looks like. I don't care. It's not happening. You don't have Trey Young on your team, so there's no there's oh, no reason for that. I heard that. There's 
<laughs> well, I mean, look at Oklahoma last year. I mean, I that's why you. they got in. That is why I they mean, got in. Do you do you remember that? Do you, I do. do you remember the controversy last year? Yes. I mean, Oklahoma State should have been in ahead of them, but they didn't have Trey Young. Nope. You didn't, didn't have all those television sets getting turned on to watch this kid that shoots thirty foot three pointers. Nope. I mean, that's that's the that's the reality of it. Yeah, that is the reality of it. I'm going to go ahead and say the Frogs don't make the tournament, and uh, we're going to get a chance to go to the NIT again. So probably host a home game. That'll be cool. But no, the Frogs are not going to make the tournament. That's my unfortunate comment at the moment. Hope, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. So you're predicting losses all the way the rest of the season? Yeah. Yeah, I am. 6-13 and thir- six and to finish out conference? They should have. They had the – the win at Kansas State or the win at Oklahoma State they should have had, the win at West Virginia that they should have had, have those two combined with the two yeah. Iowa State wins. And uh, I, yeah, it's just not happening. It's not happening. See, that's the bad thing now is because two weeks ago, Iowa State win looked great. Yeah. But now, now it's deteriorating. Not so much. Nope. Yeah. I mean, Iowa State has taken a nosedive. They have. It, that, those, two, those two wins do not look near as good as they did. Well, let's go ahead and pivot here. We got about 10, 12 minutes left on this uh, episode. So we're going to get to a couple quick questions. Uh, Jeremy, I want you to give me quick hits on these. We're going to start with our first question uh, from uh, Jeff McCain. Jeremy, what gives you hope for uh, to believe that the Frogs are going to bounce back in a big way in 2019 football? What should give fans hope that they're going to have a bounce back season in 2019? You got a lot of guys uh, returning. You got five offensive linemen returning. You got the best player, uh, the best weapon in the Big 12, and Jalen Reger coming back, two running backs. You've got uh, number 90, 9-0, baby. He's coming back. Ross Blacklock, best defensive tackle in the league, coming back. Uh, the linebackers, I think, are going to be extremely athletic. I've already talked about Jeff Gladney, my, my thoughts on him, expectations for him. Uh, they've got a lot of good young guys. They need to grow up at defensive end, and obviously the the quarterback battle. We they they've they've got to see who who's going to be able to lead the team the best. And it, if I would tell Jeff anything, the the thing that is optimistic to me is the fact that I went out there and, and see those guys, and all three of them just they uh, any of those three look like they can lead this team to some good wins, but. It, it's a better quarterback room than what it was a year ago, and I think that's that's a that's a huge huge plus for them. Do we have any intel on the possibility of the D lineman uh, grad transfer from Rice? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Neither does the poster. Uh, but, yeah, he's <laughs> Zach like, Abercrombie. Okay, tell us a little bit about where yeah. he's at. The, I think uh, I know I mean, the answer, I, but I want to hear from you. I think they're I think they're still talking. They're still talking, but he's GP a May graduate, so he doesn't have to make a decision. Yeah, he can't sign anything. Yeah, G- GP. Well, they don't have any scholarships to give, so that's that's the tough thing. So, uh, but G- GP did say in his in his uh, post practice presser today that he was uh, still looking at a grad grad transfer defensive tackle, and uh, that's that's the guy who I'm thinking of. Okay, that's that sounds good. All right, we answered Malcolm Kelly question. Uh, we we talked a lot about wide receivers. Uh, oh, here's a really important question. We need your. This is why people pay to be on our website. What's if your this favorite is re- food related? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite restaurant from Menudo? What? Isn't it? I don't I don't like Menudo. So next question. You know, I always watched them when they're on MTV. I thought it was great. 
Do you not remember? <laughs> <laughs> Am I supposed to know that because I'm Hispanic looking, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> no, you're supposed to know because you're old enough to remember when they had music videos on MTV like I am, not because you're Hispanic looking. Is, is that like a Tejano band? Bracket? It's like, aren't they a te- are, are they are they not a Tejano band? Uh, no, no, they were like an 80s boy band or something like All right, I now I'm, okay. I'm, I'm breaking total. Well, Menudo sounds like a Tejano band to me, so yeah, maybe that's the Hispanic, <laughs> the two percent Hispanic I have coming out. <laughs> in You're a two percenter. Uh, yeah, Menudo is a Puerto Rican based Latino boy band formed in the 70s. Uh, Menudo was the biggest uh, okay, Latin boy Puerto band Rican. in history, releasing Latin? their first, yeah. You know what? I, I I guess so. The band was was the starting point for both Ricky Martin and Draca Rosa. Oh, uh, yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I knew the Ricky so Martin would get your attention. Right I knew you knew all about that. Oh yeah. 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 That's what I thought. I was on the right track. You're getting there. So, yeah, that's my favorite part of Benuto right there. Um, is is uh, no, <laughs> there you go. Uh, one a couple last questions here. Uh, Projected wide receiver starters. Who do you have projected to start at wide receiver? Uh, Jalen Rager. Mm. Darius Davis. Tay, Tay Barber. Yes. I think Dylan Thomas has a chance, man. Gary, Coach Patterson okay. loves that guy. I'm telling you, he loves him. Always brings him up. He always brings him up. He didn't practice today, by the way. Uh... Maybe hmm, that's a tough question. I'm trying because okay. I'm trying to remember who was playing the other side opposite of of uh, where Jalen and, and John line up. Mikael might have a chance. Barkley might have a chance. Okay. I can't, you know, get back with me in a few weeks and I'll find out. Sounds good. Uh, in closing here, uh, we've had a lot of guys on campus here for some junior days. Uh, I, I know I'm, I know I'm going to beat a dead horse for it. The frogs do not have a 2020 commit yet. Tell us a little when's bit about what happen? What's that? When's that going to happen? W- well, when's that going to happen? But <laughs> more importantly, why hasn't it happened? I don't think it's happened because kids are smarter. They're, they're just smarter about the whole thing now. Cause April 1st, you can start taking official visits. And I, I think if you go around and look at look at some other Big 12 teams, now I haven't. I know Texas has a few commits. I, I haven't even looked at Baylor's. Uh, Oklahoma's got a few commits. Uh, I think Oklahoma State might have one or two. Um, it. But it just seems to me overall that kids just really aren't committing that early, period. And I can't be adamant enough, guys. There's this this class for TCU, and it changes. It's going to change. So the number I tell you right now, Jeff, I know you like to hold me uh, to this every time. If I tell yeah, you oh the yeah. number, you hold it to me for you and about 10 other people hold me to it the whole time. and. You not so much. I'm just messing with you, but th- it's going to be a small class. It's it, you know it's projected to only be around 16. 16. Write and, it down. Put it in the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put it. You're going to put that piece of paper and. Uh, yep. Uh, John okay, three sixteen. So, I know where I, where to put yeah, it. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Let, let me, let me, let me, okay, it's, we got a small class. Let me let me let me reroute us here to kind of bring the show to an end. Give me four names I need to keep an eye on that you think uh the frogs have a high interest in and have a high interest in the frogs. Give me a couple names that our guys can listen to. Hmm. That's tough. Uh, I I do think that the kid that they just offered, <clears throat> the Jedi Baron kid out of Pflugerville Connolly, which if you watch his film, he's he's really good, and that was that was a great find by them. And I I think he's pretty close. I think the Deshaun Harrison kid out of Hutto is pretty close. Keenan Caldwell, I talked to today uh, over there at the opening camp, and and he's really high on TCU as a defensive tackle. As far as like just just big names, I I don't know of like any top targets right now. But I, I can say they're gonna they're gonna slow play some things. They're they're gonna slow play offers. They're gonna slow play taking commitments because it's such a selective class. <clears throat> but it, for some of these kids, you you really you really got to offer them to even have a chance to have a chance in the end. I mean, if you don't offer them, if you just keep playing, just Hey, we're keeping them warm, keeping them warm, keeping them warm. And then you finally offer; it's too late. So now you got to offer and keep them warm. But I think the kids they're offering right now, they're not even in the process of being ready to commit. And it it's they're not they're not going to not offer a kid out of fear that he's going to commit. So let I don't want to fool anyone by that. But uh, of the biggest names, I think they have a chance with. Uh, uh, I've heard some good things about Elijah Yelverton, the tight end out of Bishop Dunn. Jahari Rogers actually came up there yesterday. He was he was a late show. He came up there with about forty five minutes left, and uh, I talked to one of his seven on seven coaches today, and and he said that they were just blown away by everything. Like Jahari didn't understand that he was really that high of a recruit in their mind. And he is. I mean, he he very well could be the top overall guy on their list, um, regardless of position. And the, and and I know I know the coaches love him. They love his ability. He's and, and corner is going to be a huge need for this class. You lose you lose Glad you lose Gladney. Excuse me. You lose Gladney. You lose Lewis. And. You, you don't have a ton of depth at that position after those guys. You'll have Tony Wallace, who's in. Noah Daniels, I think you know, he's going to be a really good player. Uh, Keenan Reed, which I, he actually played free safety today. Um, but there's you've got some younger players. Trevius Hodges, I, I think he's going to be good uh, coming in. And, and Donovan Collins, he, he was working out there today. Donovan's got – He's got a long way to go. Uh, he, he showed flashes, but he's he's a young kid. He's 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 got some growing up to do. You got uh, Hadari Caesar. He's he's another kid that still has a lot of growing up to do as far as uh, you know, just just playing better coverage. And I think is that if this is a year where they're going to go out and get a, a big time corner, this might be it. Because truthfully speaking, they could really pitch to these kids that. If you come here, you're going to have not only a, a great chance to contribute, you're going to have a great chance to start, and you very well could end up being a three- to four-year starter. 
So that's that's really the the pitch to some of these guys like Jahari Rogers and Jalen Kimber and uh, some of those guys, even the Baron kid they just offered on on Saturday. So I I don't know when it's going to happen. It, it is a crazy year. It's kind of unlike any recruiting class I've seen. But you know, everyone I've talked to, it, it's kind of the same answer. That it's just that these kids are getting a little bit smarter. The way the spring official visits have moved up, that has something to do with it. And and really, TCU's being selective right now on on really who they offer. And and some of these offers, they know these kids aren't ready to decide, but that also gives them a chance to build relationships and and, and get these guys warm. And and, and I know some people are. Well, this kid doesn't have an his other offers Texas Southern. How come he's not committing? It's just because he's just not ready to commit yet. They're just they're just not ready, and they they want to see how the process plays out. And as we all know, with some of these kids, they they've gotten smart in the way when they know when they get a TCU offer that it's going to open the door to some others. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that, I think that's a big reason why you haven't seen some of these kids commit early that get these early TCU offers because they know more are going to come their way. And they're getting told well, that too. So let me, there's let, people in their ear telling them that. Let, let me let me just kind of revert to my cranky old man role here because I'm really good at it. Uh, you can wait and have guys commit a little later than you want. You know, it'd be, oh, it'd be great if we had seven commits in the, in the barn right now. Or you can have a kid commit a little early and then in October, start to listen to some other programs and then have old men on Twitter scold them about how they don't understand the meaning of commitment, says the guy that's been married three times. I can't <laughs> stand the mocking and lecturing of 17-year-olds that are trying to make the most important decision of their life at that time. So I, I say, wait, you, the, the, the system is designed now to get them to sign earlier, but it often means that they commit later because they're able to come and make those spring those spring visits. Their spring official visits are literally less than a month away. So why would you commit when you can say, "Hey, I'm going to take a trip to uh, I'm going to take a trip to Baton Rouge. I'm going to take a trip to Fayetteville. And I'm going to take a trip to Fort Worth and Stillwater. You know, just let somebody else pay for those trips and then maybe commit this summer. So the the guys might show up a little later on your commitment watch." But you're going to be you're going to be able to sign them in the early signing day and not have to sit them on them all through the holidays. So, right. I, I I wish we had seven guys committed, but at the same time, it it seems to have worked out because we the frogs held on to basically everybody from this class from Thanksgiving on. The guys that they uh, they wanted, other than, basically other than Myron Warren, everybody that they wanted, they got. I think we can all kind of say that out loud now. So sure, uh, it it's it all works out. It all works out. And um, it's a whole new set of names to learn. So I'm, I'm glad it's taken a little time because I, I can barely keep up. <laughs> it's tough. But it's, it's, it, they've had, I mean, this past Saturday was the biggest junior day, junior day they've had. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they had a ton of names there. And I think it'll get, I think this will be, what's today, March the 3rd. They may have one more. Uh, uh, now now that spring camp's going on, they may not. They might. They may just invite a handful of kids up to a practice or something. But mm-hmm. maybe have something for the spring game, which is April sixth, by the way. April sixth, spring game. Mark that down on your calendar, Jeff. It's marked. Okay. April sixth. Sure I'm expecting. I'm expecting a lot of questions to be answered that game. 
I mean, okay. we're, we're probably, I mean, we're probably going to see, I, I, I can't even begin to tell you how many position battles and everything else that will be won specifically on that day. Um, I, I'll, I'll guarantee the offense will have no clue what kind of defense the defense is going to show and the defense will not know what the offense is going to throw their way, even if they have the play on their sidelines. Wow. Well, that's a, that's quite a, that's quite a promise there. That's quite a hook. Get you out there for the spring game, April 6th. <laughs> you know, I say that and people are going to buy into all that and say, well, you said this. You said uh, this. You the, said we were going to have game 16 commits. The game is so commits. scripted. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Uh-oh. But I love it. We'll, we'll get we'll get we'll get we'll get the armchair evaluators out there saying that so and so looked great in you know that five yard hitch that they caught. Remember when? Uh, remember when Grayson looked better than everybody? With all oh, due respect gosh. to the to yeah. the Cheez It Bowl MVP or the Cheez It Bowl champion, he wasn't the MVP. Shaywo, but I uh, <laughs> I also remember when everybody thought Matt Allen uh, was it Matt Allen? No, who's the kid from? Uh, Temple then ended up transferring to Rutgers. Zach Allen. Zach Allen. Zach Allen. I remember people people writing in newspapers that Zach Allen was better than Casey Pawhaw. I don't. Ooh, that would have been a. I don't remember that. I do. I do. I do. But but I will tell you, you. You know the Zach Allen story, right? Oh yeah, I do. You tell it. So he's, so he's, com- all, he's committed all, to all Syracuse. The- yeah. Yeah. Well, this this ties into Baker Mayfield when Baker Mayfield said that he yep. was getting lied to by TCU. Well, I had Baker on, you know, quoted saying that TCU was looking at him, Zach Allen, and the kid that uh ended up going to A&M. What was his name? He was from Georgetown and he played sparingly, but he he did end up playing down there. Uh, gosh darn it! What was his name? Can't remember his name. I got his face and everything pictured, but I cannot remember his name. Anyhow, they went with Zach Allen. They offered Zach Allen instead of Baker Mayfield and the other kid, and uh, the rest is history. Wow, the rest is they history. offered they offered Zach Allen the day before he was supposed to leave to go to Syracuse for to Syracuse. as an early enrollee. Like he was scheduled to show up. They called him on Friday, come up to TCU, offered him on Saturday, and he committed on Sunday, the day before he was supposed to. I think actually the day of, he was supposed to fly to Syracuse to begin classes that following Monday. Man. Yep. Jake Hubenick. That's who it was, Jake. Yeah. Yep. Because I interviewed him a couple times. Yeah. Yep. It was. It was Jake, Jake Baker, and Zach, and they oh. they went with Zach. Yep. And so he transferred to Rutgers. There's there's quotes out there. I, I I'm not on Rivals anymore, so I can't go back and read my old stories. Or and I no, I might have been with Scout then when I interviewed Baker. Yeah, I was with Scout. So there's I know there's quotes out there somewhere. So when he says that that TCU you know, just didn't weren't, weren't truthful and honest with them, and just dragged along. I mean, he he literally told me, "Yeah, they're recruiting me, and it's between me, Zach Allen, and and Jake Hubenek. 
And so I think mm-hmm. he was pissed off when they went with Zach. And so that's why he says the things he says about TCU now. Well, whatever. Now he doesn't worry about that anymore. He's a no first round, first overall pick, and first overall pick. Next up is Kyler Murray. Next one, he's going to go play for Cliffy. It all kind of hey, comes did back to see what, Did anyone see what Kyler ran? Did he run? He didn't run. He didn't do anything except Gosh. his measures. Why won't that kid run? He's already got. A, he's already a first round draft pick. He's already the first. He's going to be the number one player overall taken. Why won't he run? I just want to see what – because no one even knew what he ran in high school. He wouldn't do these things. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Well, let's bring this uh, episode to a close. We're at an hour and eight minutes. If you haven't yet, please go online and subscribe to our podcast please go to itunes give us a rating give us a review we would love for you to uh follow along you can find us on twitter and on facebook also uh go subscribe at hornfrogblitz.com you're going to find all of this inside information as coach patterson has availability during the season jeremy will be there to share the greatest updates with us as well as when things kind of break out the side door and some sources close to the program will let you know what's going on hornfrog blitz is the place to be we got all of the information that you want and a whole lot more so until we get back together again for jeremy for daniel i'm jeff mitchell thanks so much for listening to the frogcast